This is the Canadian Passive and Active Real Estate Podcast, investing and wealth building with Connie Buna and Roland Kim. Are you ready to build your real estate portfolio? It starts with taking the first step. Call the Home Happy team for a free review of your financial situation and let us start to build your financing plan. Our team's experience, technology, and lender connections will allow you to build what you may not think is possible. We will look at all the options open to you and mix those with your dreams and goals to build the perfect mortgage strategy for your next step. With the Home Happy team helping you, your future starts now. Hi, everybody. I'm Connie Buna. I'm Roland Kim. And we're going to be talking to you about real estate investing today. Yeah, we're going to go deep into buy and hold, talk a little bit about that, and talk about current environmental mistakes and opportunities that people might have out there. And then awesome. maybe finish with some hints, tips, and tricks of what you could do. Fantastic. Friends, time is your most valuable asset. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. We're going to dive right into the content. Awesome. My real estate investing started 15 years ago mm-hmm. and um, it just fell into a buy and hold strategy. Okay. And so I'm quite fortunate now, many years into it, where that has um, afforded me lots of opportunities. And, you know, the reason I wanted to talk about buy and hold today is because it often gets dismissed. It often gets um, the reputation of it's too slow. It doesn't really make short term money mm-hmm. and it's boring. Mm-hmm. And so the opportunity with buy and hold is uh, it's kind of like the long-term money. Think of it as an annuity, as a dividend. And every other strategy, most other strategies are short-term. It's like a cash inflow, but you actually have to work for those. And that could be like a burr strategy, a flip, active work is what I mean, like hands-on work. Mm -hmm. And the thing with a buy and hold is if you can get into the market and you can create a, a setting that works for you, the tenants paying the money, you have passive income coming in, it might not be a lot of passive income initially, but five, six years down the road, I have not met an investor who's taken that strategy, not tell me they wish they bought another property. Mm-hmm. And compound interest, compound anything is probably the strongest force in the world. And buy and hold utilizes that. Nice. Can you speak to your first purchase? Like, How do you start? I think the first purchase, if if you currently don't own your own home, is figure out, can you buy a property that might not be exactly what you want as your primary residence, but that can serve um, right from the start as a, as a hybrid investment or quite quickly become an investment as you move up the property ladder. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the huge opportunity because um, if you're saving for a really, really long time because you want that vision of what your perfect residential primary home is, mm-hmm. and then afterwards you think you'll get investment properties, we often discover it takes a really long time. And so if you can maybe buy less home and something that you can hold on to versus having to sell when you upsize, you naturally become an investor. And the question is where you want to take it and, and the strategies you're going to apply. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I knew right from the start, you know, I, I remember 14 years ago, I didn't qualify for a mortgage. A year later, I could kind of qualify for a purchase price of, you know, 180. Mm-hmm. And I, for whatever reason, knew I didn't want to pay the entire mortgage myself. And so I knew I needed a two bedroom. I was a single person and I found an old 
different type of ownership, uh, two bedroom in Burnaby, close to SFU. And I knew I could get a student at any time. And I purchased the property. I got a roommate that, you know, paid for the mortgage. Mm -hmm. And so I was paying for utilities and um, some stuttery costs. Ironically, years later, I became a realtor. That roommate became a client. So there was a, there was a beneficial aspect to it as well for my business. But, you know, I had a home. I'm going to be my own best tenant. And that eventually became a property that as I needed more space, I held on to. Yes. And rented out and still own it to this day. And one of the things I think lots of folks can struggle with is the leap outside of that first purchase, which is your primary residence, to being able to buy something else. So in sort of simple terms, can you just explain how or a strategy on how you might be able to hold that first property and diversify, buy another? Yeah, you you mentioned a great point there that, you know, the step from owning your primary property to investment property is very scary and also interesting as a realtor. I'm an investor and also a realtor in Vancouver. I can help clients buy their first property. They might have, um, you know, a clear definition of what their needs and their wants are. And as we go through the path of looking for their home, it changes. Mm -hmm. It can change dramatically. Like their budget can change dramatically, their needs, their area. And the reason it does is because the heart tells you what you want. And then um, the buyers often figure out where they can get more money or where, you know, things that they felt was important to them and they change their criteria. Mm -hmm. And so they buy a home and they're happy with it. What they don't realize is they might've had a starting point of what was important to them and they deviated dramatically from it. And so, you know, when I'm talking to them three, four years down the road where I feel that they have equity in their home or they might've saved up a down payment and I want to talk to them about like, should we consider buying an investment property and what are the merits and why is it valuable and important? Often, one of the first hurdles is that the client creates, you know, needs and a, a list of, of things that they're looking for that are unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I blame HGTV for that. <laughs> and so it's a matter of really figuring out is the need the passion of owning an investment property because you realize the long-term benefit it will have on your life big enough that you're going to commit to buying an investment property. Mm -hmm. And if it is, then you can figure out based on your resources, based on what your profile of of an investor is, what you're looking for, what your avatar is, then you just figure out what your boundaries are and you commit to finding the best option available in that boundary. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, I find a lot of people can spend two, three, four, five years looking for the perfect property and you can't make up that time mm-hmm. and you lose out way more than putting your foot in the pond and just seeing how it goes. Right. Can you speak to the opportunities that come about as a result of leverage? So many first-time buyers put about 20% down into their home, some less, some more. And so if you think even conservatively in most, you know, local areas where we live, we're seeing, you know, four or 5% growth a year. And usually in the past, it's been a lot more than that. But across North America for the last 60 years, there's been an average growth rate of 6%. Mm -hmm. So even if you went conservatively and you said, um, you know, 3%, 4%, let's go with four. Five years down the road, whatever property you purchased, the price has gone up 20%. Mm. So if you put 20% down on a $500,000 property, Mm -hmm. so you put $100,000 down, the market grew conservatively 4% a year. And so the price has gone up 20%. So it's now worth 600,000. Your mortgage, which was 400,000, probably had a mortgage payment of, you know, um, 
let's say $1,500, $1,600. At least half of that went to your principal every single month. So every single year, you were paying yourself probably around nine dollars to $10,000 in principal payback. Plus, you got the benefit of living there and your rent didn't increase. So five years down the road, you bought a $500,000 apartment. You put $100,000 down, 20%. You now have an asset, you have a home that is worth 600,000 and that has a mortgage that's um, 50,000 less on the mortgage. Mm -hmm. And so there's a gap there that's called the equity that you've built up and banks will lend on that. And so you can move forward by not even selling your home. You can go to a bank and say, I'd like to borrow this. I have 45% equity on my home, meaning that I that that's you know free and clear. The bank is not gonna give you all of it. They're mm -hmm. gonna wanna be protected. So mm -hmm. they'll likely hold on to maybe 20% of it. But they'll talk to you about loaning you maybe a second mortgage on that additional 25% mm -hmm. room. Mm -hmm. And so you could take that, put a second mortgage against your home, which becomes the down payment on an investment property, and then you can mortgage the investment property. So essentially you are 100%, if you wanted to, financing your investment property through equity you already have in your home. And so that equity right now is just sitting there. The downside some people might ask is, um, what is it? Well, you're, you're increasing your risk profile. Mm -hmm. You have more debt. Mm -hmm. But as long as the property you're buying, the numbers make sense and um, the opportunity is big enough, you know, another tenant, whether there'll be some hiccups, some problems, and that happens, Eventually, that property five years down the road also has equity that's built up, and you could choose to continue to leverage on and on. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to build a stronger financial future, but don't know where to start? Connect with our advisors with Prometheus Private Advisory Group. We commit to understanding where you are financially today and where you want to be tomorrow. By providing you the knowledge, tools, and guidance through achievable objectives, we can help reach your financial goals quicker. For more information and a free consultation, email ben.chan at ppagroup.ca. A stronger financial future starts today. So when you're looking at a property and you're looking at opportunities, can you describe what metrics you use to analyze those properties? What makes a purchase attractive? It comes back to the investor. And so I, I always think of me in the last 12 years has changed several times of what my ideal investing avatar is. So if I'm working as a realtor helping a client, I really need to understand why are they buying a property? Mm -hmm. What's their horizon? What's their strengths, their weakness, their the risks? And you know, it might be entirely different than what they think it is, but we really need to understand what type of property they need. And so, for example, there's clients that um, that need cash flow. So, you know, we have to look at an area that has cash flow and it might be an area that has really slow market appreciation, if any, but the cash flow is really strong. And, um, and that's most important to them. I have other clients that they don't really need any positive cash flow for quite a few years, but they want to know that 10 years down the road, I've built up market value in my home mm -hmm. and that the rent starts paying back, mm -hmm. you know? And so Mar Vancouver is an amazing place for that because mm -hmm. Vancouver, I'm pretty confident we'll see, you know, 4% growth for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't really need the cash flow in the, in the next few years, 10 years down the road, your home is worth dramatically more mm -hmm. and the rents, you know, have gone up quite a bit. Right. And so there is no ideal 
and there's no um, standard mm -hmm. investment uh, profile. Mm -hmm. It really depends on what the client needs and right. what you need at that point. And it changes. Mm -hmm. Is this something that is available? Do you think like any person has the opportunity to embark on this sort of opportunity or do you think you, you have to be for lack of a better word brave like is this an opportunity that's available to the everyday person definitely but it's a blend between your finances and your mindset and so again seeing you know my experience 13 14 years ago i didn't qualify for a mortgage i bought my first property and i've kept um leveraging and saving and buying more investment properties to now i own many many doors mm -hmm. and during that time i have had friends i've had clients that 15 years ago had way more equity far more wealth than i had but they didn't have the tolerance for risk or no one was telling them the opportunities that were out there mm -hmm. and so 15 years later I've accumulated something that is pretty impressive. And I've you know, possibly seen people that had way more opportunity than me, but it wasn't important to them or they weren't comfortable taking the risk. So mm -hmm. it's a blend. I think most hardworking Canadians who want to invest in a real estate investment, who have a steady job, can find a great opportunity somewhere in their local market or definitely across Canada. And it's possible. The biggest roadblock to, to being an investor is not money. Money you can find. If you find a great opportunity, even with no money, you can create a situation where you can be part of an investment mm -hmm. through a joint venture, through any number of different mm -hmm. opportunities. And so the real hurdle, in my opinion, is, um, is getting off the fence. A lot of people sit on the sideline. And ever since the internet was invented, there's a plethora of information. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, it has debilitated people from moving forward mm -hmm. because we overanalyze, we over, it feels like everything is available to us. Everything's at the tip of our fingers, but we're actually not in control very much. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people feel like, oh, I've, you know, that property isn't, isn't hitting every single thing I need. I'm looking for another one, another one. And eventually time passes and they've missed out on many opportunities. Yes. So... Sitting on the sideline and not really understanding what it is that you need and being willing to take some risk is the biggest challenge. What is one step that someone can take today that will lead them in this direction to possibly purchasing their first investment property? Real estate coaching. And so that is something we offer. It's um, really what it is, is that you are in relationship with an experienced person that you know, no matter what challenge you might come across, there's someone that's experienced that, whether that's terrible tenant issues, mm -hmm. it's floods, it's, you know, it's um, any number of things that can go wrong in investing in real estate. If you're in it long enough and own enough properties will happen. Um, <laughs> but early on, you don't want to experience that because it can really you know, it can uh, snuff the flame of your investment passion really yes. quickly. And so coaching, as in anything, if you are passionate about getting really serious, is going to be really strong in moving you forward. And if you choose not to do coaching, you can still be very successful. I would say the simplest thing is to write out kind of a, a needs analysis of why you're doing it, what you're looking for. And then, you know, going back to that document, anytime that you're looking at a property and also putting a point in time on the document of when I'm going to buy that property, because that will hopefully bring you back to reality, will allow you to see certain things that you can bend on certain things that aren't as important as you thought they were. And if you're serious to the timeline, serious to buying an investment property by, you know, November of this year, mm -hmm. 
you have a limited amount of time and certain number of options. And so hopefully you'll move forward. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about your investment journey. Connie, I know um, you've always for many years been a homeowner and um, I've known you for many years early on. I, I, I didn't, I uh, wasn't as vocal with you and I let you sell a few properties that uh, <laughs> if you were in those shoes now, I think I would, you know, have a stern talking to you and, and try and find a way of holding on to them. Mm. Well, yeah, I bought my first property in 2004. And when I bought my first property, I was working at, I think I was working at Starbucks at the time. If not, I was just starting a job in a call center with Bell Canada. And my partner at the time was just finishing architecture school and interning as an architect. So both of us, certainly not in prime earning capacity. We uh, got approved for a mortgage and our first purchase was a $220,000 two-bedroom condo on Commercial Drive. And What's I re- that worth today? That's worth about $700,000 today. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed by the size of that purchase. And we were able to make that purchase. I certainly would not have been able to make that purchase on my own. We were able to make that purchase through some very prudent financial management on the the part of my partner at the time, who was great at at, uh, managing finances and also had parents that very generously loaned us a $10,000 gift. And that $10,000 was enough for us to get into the property. And within 14 months of owning that property, we decided, uh, my partner decided that that she wanted to go back to school and do a PhD. And so we decided that we were going to be leaving Vancouver, uh, going back to Ontario where we both are from. And so we sold our property. We actually advertised the property first um, on Craigslist for rent. We encountered a renter who said, would you be interested in, in selling this to me? Now, again, I'm working at a call center. Um, my partner's a, at the time is an architect, so we don't have any experience whatsoever in 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 trading real estate. Person wants to buy the property. We think, okay, well, I don't even know what the property's worth today. Turned out that the property was worth three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. So in fourteen months, the property went from two hundred and twenty thousand dollars to three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Um, and if you look at a trend line, you won't be surprised by that number um, because you will know what happened in the real estate market in Vancouver between 2004 and 2006. There was massive growth. Um, and we sold that property privately and, and we did actually reach out to the to our realtor who helped us facilitate a private transaction. And we bought a house in Ottawa where we were moving, essentially sight unseen. Uh, we were so flabbergasted by the fact that we could buy a detached house on a gigantic lot, a hundred year old brick home, four bedrooms for less than the sale price of our condo that it was well before the time of FaceTime and Zoom calls and all these other things. And we were also young and inexperienced and we didn't realize how important it might be to jump on a flight and go look at that property. So we bought that property and lived there for a few years, sold that property, came back to Vancouver and, you know, bought and sold a, f- a few more times. And so I really didn't get into actually investing in real estate until many more years down the road. And I would say that quite a bit of that 
mindset of investment actually relates to, first of all, coming to an understanding that one of the more, uh, I would call it the safer areas to invest in anything is in areas that you know. And it, as I developed my career as a as a realtor and my expertise and experience in in real estate, I realized that this is certainly an area that I know. And so, over the last few years, I've I've taken a, a different approach on real estate and have uh, under a lot of guidance from and advice from uh, my amazing business partner, I've really started to understand the power of certainly the buy hold strategy. But lots of those uh, initial transactions, I think, were stepping stones. Many of those transactions, I think back to and think, man, what would our life have looked like if in 2004, for example, we had pushed ourselves a little further and bought a house? So that $220,000 condo worth $700,000 today, if we had stretched ourselves, we could have bought a detached house in the same neighborhood for about $350,000, $400,000. And that same house today is worth about one seven. So I just, the, the power of, um, of growth over time, you touched on that is, is something that is just, it really does resonate with me. It's, uh, it's even in, in the volatility of markets as, as there can be, there is something to say about investing in um, an asset that provides housing and shelter uh, that is in an area or a region where people want to live. So there's always an opportunity to have someone renting your home if you're not living there. Really powerful, interesting journey. And I think I have a lot, a lot more to learn and a lot more to go. It's certainly a huge part of my focus now. Thank you for sharing. One of the things you touched on there was... Um parents loaning you $10,000. Did the parents come to you before and say, hey, you guys should buy real estate. I want to gift you $10,000. I don't recall whether it was, I I think it was more us saying, we're thinking about this and you know, we're talking about normal people that helped us. These were two retired teachers in a very small town in Ontario that managed their own finances really well. And, and so, you know, $10,000 is not a small sum. And of course we understand now that it probably looks more like, you know, 50, 60, $70,000 that might be the nest egg that gets you started. The point is though, you asked for it, right? You came up with a plan and you figured out where am I missing Mm -hmm. resources, people. Yes. And you went and found it. Yes. And it didn't feel good. It felt scary. It felt like really different. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's pretty normal in the process. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's really important that a lot of people forget about is um, the amazing opportunity with capital gains exemption on your primary residence. Yes. And so, you know, for those of you who might've forgotten, don't remember, didn't know, any value that increases currently in your home from when you bought it to when you sell it for your primary residence is tax exempt. Mm-hmm. And so that's amazing because you need to generate so much more results in an investment property in order to get equivalent. Mm-hmm. Dollar for dollar. Dollar for dollar. Mm-hmm. And so one of the opportunities I'm helping a lot of clients with right now are um, there are some you know folks who are very fortunate that they've uh, accumulated a number of different rental properties, but um, some of them are still renting their primary because they now decided to live in an area that um, you know they're not willing to... Um, pay the number that is required in order to live there. 
And when we crunch the numbers, sometimes opportunities come up where, you know, what if you sold one or two of those um, investment rentals mm -hmm. and use that as your down payment to buy a primary residence in an area that you really, really want to live in, in an area that's going to have good capital appreciation. Because over a five, 10 year horizon, getting, you know, four or 5% return and knowing that you don't have to pay any tax on it you know, will dramatically offset what you could generate in a flip mm -hmm. or in um, an investment buy and hold. Mm -hmm. And again, it all comes from, from talking, from, you know, having people that you trust. And that's, you know, that's probably another key point to bring up. I think there's so much information out there right now with vendors of any form who are targeting people who want to be investors, people who are investors. Mm -hmm. And many of them have an ulterior motive. And so it's, it's, your job to figure out, you know, who are you listening to? Because everyone has advice. Opinions are, you know, everywhere. <laughs> Dime a dozen. Dime a dozen. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then find someone that, find someone, find a group, find an organization, find a mentor to support what your goals are and keep yes. you accountable. Fantastic. Partner, in closing, can you share with, uh, with folks where they might be able to find a little bit more investor advice? I run a Facebook page currently. We are building out the website for it, but it's called um, Passive Canadian Real Estate. And um, we constantly share real estate investments from across Canada that are cash flow positive. Mm -hmm. My big passion is to help as many people as I can throughout Canada buy one to three investment properties in their life. Amazing. And it doesn't sound like a lot for some people. It's life altering and um, it is your retirement plan. How can I reach you? My number is 604-970-0393. Or you can send me an email. Uh, real simple, Roland, R-O-L-A-N-D, at Roland Kim. That's K-Y-M dot com. It's a good Swiss name. Good Swiss name. Thanks so much, Roland. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Connie.